Father God, we are reminded with the events of this week um, around politics and our church that we live in a very real world, but we thank you that you are a very real God. Uh, help us now as we look at your word and through your spirit speak to us and tell us what you want us to know and take away from today. Amen. Well, I know what some of you do. I don't know what all of you do, but whatever you do, in whatever way you spend your time, you will be working to complete tasks for a purpose. This is your work. When I found out what my work was going to be last week, ministry, suddenly concerns over my general existence turned into real and pressing questions about my character. Am I good enough? Will I earn enough? Will people follow me enough? I've been on a Growing Leaders course recently and um, it's prompted real questions in people. And we had a bit of a feedback session. The questions it's prompted for, I think everybody, if not most people, were about godly character. It's about having a character in our workplaces, whatever that looks like for us, where we can proclaim... Jesus is enough. What about you? We come out of last week knowing that God was a worker. Work's been defined as tasks and activity completed for a purpose. We remember also that work was ruined. But more importantly, work's been renewed. If we work for God, not for man, whatever that looks like for us, we can do it, to use Mother Teresa's words on this topic, beautifully for God. So... You've had a week at work since then. How's that gone for you? Have you been reminded of the difficulties that exist at work? Have you slipped back into old habits? Are you left with the question, what do I really need at work? The answer is godly character. The ability to stand a situation toe-to-toe and say Jesus is enough. 2 Peter, chapter 1, 4 and 5, says that God gives us everything we need through his divine power so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape corruption of evil desires. Are we going to be people that share in the divine nature to overcome evil for God's glory by showing through our words and our actions Jesus is enough in our workplaces? Or do we give in to the temptations and evil desires to go for something else? In which case, all you've got to do is set aside your godly character as you go for more. As decided by you, not by God. What is this more that we go for? Well, in this passage on Matthew's Gospel, as Jesus goes about his work, Satan tempts him with three desires, and Jesus shows us perfect godly character. And tonight, I think it'd be useful to look at those three temptations in Jesus' work, and I'm going to use a metaphor title for each one. I'm going to call them Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. So turn with me, if you've not got it already, to page 967 of your church Bible. Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11. Right, Jesus starts work. <clears throat> what does he do? He gets into a fight. He walks for 40 days and 40 nights into a burning desert to get into a fight. Not a physical boxing match or 
fight, but a spiritual fight, in which he wins with a perfect display of godly character, knocking Satan out in three rounds. Despite my previous careers, and I'll I'll refer to them a little bit tonight, just to keep that (coughs) great sense of application that we set off in last week. I haven't been in many fights, and for some of us, spiritual fights, they're not something that you go to bed and you wake up thinking you're about to get involved in, if we're honest. But your godly character is going to be tested under pressure in a spiritual fight or battle, and I want you to be ready. So I think there's two preparations for going into battle. First one is this. Listen to the leader. First thing to say from Matthew 4 is verse 1. Jesus listened. God has a role to play in leading us because he wants to develop our godly character in that place. However, God is not the agent of temptation. If you read James chapter 1, verse 13, that explains that. Why does God lead us? Because he's in a process of growing you in Christ's likeness. And if he ain't leading you, you're on your own, pal. Jesus was led in his testing times by the Holy Spirit, as verse 1 states. You can't be led if you're not listening to the voice leading. And you need to listen because God is leading you to a place where he can develop your character. Much the same way um, when God led the Israelites through the wilderness, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you really would obey his commands. God didn't leave the Israelites in the wilderness. He's not going to leave you. But maybe in Europe, in a place where you just keep asking over and over again, and you're like, God, I need this, I want this, this has got to happen. We had an old phrase in the police force, and I'll, I'll, I'll never get to use it again, so I'm going to use it now. If you're talking, you're not listening. Jesus was obviously well in tune with the Holy Spirit by being God, a person of the Trinity, but we need to be listening and in tune with God. The Israelites went on to be led by Joshua after their wanderings. They eventually faced the moment when they would walk into the promised land. They could easily get caught up in their tasks. There'll be an awful lot which is going on around that process, but Joshua reminds them in Joshua chapter 3, verse 9, and in that context I've described, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. You need to listen. Why do you need to listen? Because of second preparation. Your opponent likes to fight in the dark. Step two of your spiritual training for battle is knowing Satan is happy to fight behind closed doors. Evangelist D.L. Moody says this about character. It's what you do in the dark. You need to be aware our godly character isn't only on duty in public display, but also in the dark. Not just in the dark, but usually at times of vulnerability. So Jesus, as we see in verse 2, spent 40 days, 40 nights eating nothing. He must have been absolutely gaffing. He must have been really hungry, in a real vulnerable place. In the NLT Bible, it translates it as this. Then the devil came to him. It's okay to speak to me in a minute at the back of church and say, Oh yeah, Yeah, Andy, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the week. Yeah, get it. Yeah, and um, bring it on. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's all right. But I want to know, about 11 o'clock on Friday night, after you've been working late, and either your colleagues or your family 
or yourself tempt you and those evil desires raise their head, mentioned in 2 Peter, because you'll be in battle then. And the question is, is Jesus enough for you? A re-emergence of godly character, I think, is vital for God to do his work. In this postmodern, post-Christendom age, where all that stands between your colleague and eternity without Jesus is God's desire to work through you and your godly character for the benefit of him establishing their salvation. So get your spiritual training in. Listen as you're led, because sometimes you're going to go in the dark. So from training to the main event, a friend was sat drinking in a pub with me this week, and he helped me realise a few things. I was at that stage, I was like, it's just not, it's just not clarifying. And um, he, he was great. Um, he kind of sat me down and helped me realise that sometimes things go wrong with work when we want this idea of more. And we don't own a godly sense of what is enough for us, what God wants for us. So in your work, there'll be a chance to sell your godly character short because you want more. Henri Nguyen wrote a book called In the Name of Jesus, in which he looks at the temptation of Jesus and identified three. He opens them up in a whole new way. And that's where we're going to sit tonight. So, the temptation to have what you want, not what God wants. I've called that one sex. I'm going to be vulnerable here. A woman offered me sex once while I was working for Premier Inn. I was leading a training course. She was in a new job. I was the trainer and she came to be a receptionist. She had a new job, a new life, a new wage, a training course, all the expenses paid, but that wasn't enough for her. She wanted a good time while she was on a training course. So she came and asked me. Society's relevant message to her was that she could have more, to have what God did not want her to have. So you'll be relieved to know two things. It wasn't my wife, Jenny, and God didn't intend her to be my wife, Jenny. I said, no. Social relevance says you can give in to your desires and preferences, sleep around, have what you want, even though you're not entitled to it. And it's not just sex, that's a metaphor title. Do you lie to obtain a bonus? Society's bang at this. Do you encourage investments in an area that's going to fill your pocket later on? Society's bang at that as well. So Jesus was tempted to have what he wanted. Satan said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He was hungry. People around him were in poverty. He wanted people to know God's kingdom and he had the power to solve it. But he didn't. Why? Because God was enough. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan presented a worldview of how Jesus could do and have more. Jesus doesn't need to prove himself. He knows the bigger picture. God was enough. Jesus' example overcame temptation to have what the flesh needs to be relevant with obedience, faithfulness to believe that God's will is more important than his human needs. What are your human needs? What's on offer at your work if only you sell your godly character down the river? Is God's will not in line with what you perceive you need? Does the world say to you in your situation that you can define right and wrong? Obedience overcame a selfish want. Sex, boom, round one to Jesus in this fight. Satan tries a different tact. The evil desire to be selfishly spectacular. I've called this one rock and roll. 
Rather oddly, Satan tempts Jesus to throw himself off a temple roof. And on renewing in, in the text that I was reading, he discusses the desires that we have to be popular. We all want to be that person that comes up with the next big thing. I'm guilty of that. You know, wanting to be the guy with the wow factor. Satan knew Jesus could do it. Jesus knew he could do it. And Newman was describing that the temptation was for Jesus actually to do it. And he says for Jesus to be carried gently in the arms of angels to the applause of an amazed crowd at the bottom, the X Factor. People of something spectacular. Jesus plus me being the main event is enough. Jesus plus all the girls liking me is enough. Jesus plus me proving myself is enough. No, Jesus is enough. Are you testing God? See if God's going to change his plan. Include something that you deem to be spectacular, I deem to be spectacular. The root of that scripture that Jesus pulls out is Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it immediately goes on. Do what is right in the Lord's sight. Satan even tries to use God's own scripture against him. He says, for it is written, and then he quotes Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Yeah, even Satan knows the Bible. But Jesus knows the heart and the context of the scripture. He's the very embodiment of its promises and God's faithfulness. And he replies, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. I love it. Don't quote scriptures to me. I was there when it was written. Jesus knew Psalm 91 wasn't about having enough in this world. It was about Jesus being enough for this world. It is the desire to prove myself, to deliver results that I think has harmed my family most in my time at Holy Trinity. Because Jesus wasn't enough. Jesus plus a happy Holy Trinity was enough. Jesus plus me being successful with a lot of extra hours put in was enough. No, Jesus was enough. Boom, round two to Jesus. So Satan comes back, and he's going to have one last go in this spiritual fight, and I've called this one drugs. Jesus was tempted with all the armies of the world, the evil desire to idolise something else and worship something other than God for power. Satan tries to tempt Jesus into worshipping him. And Newton suggests that it's power that offers an easy substitute for the hard task of love. If Jesus would have accepted the offer, it'd have been spared the greatest act of love ever known, dying for you and me, rising again. And yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you godly character. Listen to this. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And Jesus overcame temptation, serving out of love. God was enough. He didn't need more. Sometimes you work as it's going to be a shop window for idols. I was speaking to someone a while ago about the old police service and the way that promotion went on. All you had to do was join the Freemasonry, shake the dodgy handshake and promotion will appear. Jesus plus the Masons was enough. Jesus plus influence over others would have been enough. No, Jesus is enough. What dodgy handshake is on offer for you tomorrow when you get into work? Will you love God enough in that time of battle? Boom. 
Round three to Jesus. So to you, sex, drugs and rock and roll. In the medieval period, there was a re-emergence of chivalry and values in faith and battle, and that was encouraged by the church. It didn't entirely work out. But ever since, the world's been captivated, haven't they, by knights, camelot, chivalric values. But do you ever wonder why it can't get rid of this nagging feeling that chivalry and arguably traits of godly character are desirable? It's because it's what God wants for you. It's what God wants for us. Godly character. The last thing Jesus says in this passage is, serve only him. I was going to preach on Joshua 24 tonight because it's about when God's people had the character to recommit themselves to him. We need a re-emergence of godly character on the frontline battleground of our workplaces, whatever that looks like for you. Jesus provides the example and Joshua provides the challenge. Joshua 24, verse 15, it says this. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So, God will lead you in places in work where you can develop your godly character. The world will throw sex, drugs and rock and roll your way. Deal with those situations. Developing godly character says, nah, Jesus is enough. But you may fall. And I think it's another aspect of godly character. And I think there'll be a loud cheer in heaven as you get back up again and you shout aloud as you do that, Jesus is enough. In actual fact, he has in store for you in this life and the next a real blessing that isn't just enough, but it really is more. I'm going to finish with a Quick story. I think we're all right time-wise. Um, so I've told this story before. It's basically when, you, you, if you've got kids and you preach, you've got to get them in somewhere. When Isaac was born, he wasn't very well. I've told you that before. We've heard that. So Isaac was in one ward. Jenny was in the other. Um, I was running between the two. Got called in one particular day. Again, I should have heard. This will be the quick version. And I'm sat down next to his incubator, and he's in there, um, and I'm praying, and I'm kind of mindful of what's going on. And he wasn't very well. They called me, and he'd been coughing up a bit of blood. And I said to one of the nurses, I'm like, look, nurse, I'm I'm the kind of shy and retiring type, so I need to ask you, um, is it bad? And she's like, I don't think you'd want him getting any worse. So I sat there, and I was praying. And God asked me, (laughs) he asked me the question, that I've asked you. And he said this, if it does go wrong, am I enough? And the answer to that was, not easy, but yes. And then after that, I went down to um, the chapel. I prayed with a vicar in the hospital. She she knew my situation. And um, she said... um, we prayed for Isaac, and, and that's good, but I really feel that God's wanting to say something to you. She said, we put your application for ministry in. And she said the words, I feel God saying, will you tell him? Because he's not listening to me. The first thing that God tested in me and prompted was not my competence, it was my character. 
competence I'll be working on for the next six years, but we'll get there in the end, I reckon. So I'm going to finish maybe by answering the question which um, I get to have my say. Um, what do you want in a new rector at Holy Trinity? Um, I think the answer to that is somebody who's going to come and say, Jesus is enough, and let's go from there. Amen.